welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we are going to be looking at the case of Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Inc. and Chimab Limited. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 27. And the case that we are looking at this week has an indirect relationship to the coronavirus, and in particular, the attempt to find a vaccine. It concerns intellectual property law and is a little unusual because it is a patent for a genetically modified mouse. To be honest, I'm not brilliant with the sciency bits of these cases, but we will try and get by and focus on applying the general principles of law. The discovery was a version of the gene that produces antibodies. That gene was a hybrid between the genetic material of the mouse that we just mentioned, known as the constant region DNA, and genetic material from a human, known as the variable region DNA. The result of this mix-up is a mouse that produces antibodies that can be used in the medical treatment of humans, but does not cause the actual mouse to get sick in any way. A patent for this mouse was filed by Regeneron Pharmaceuticals back in 2001, and since that time it has served many useful purposes in a medical context, and as I mentioned at the start, it has been part of the effort to find a vaccine for COVID-19. However, the legal issues began in 2013 when Regeneron sued the other party to this case, Chimab Limited, for the infringement of this patent after Chimab began producing their own genetically modified mice that had a genetic structure that was very similar to the mice produced by Regeneron. Part of the defence that Chimab put forward was that the original patent from 2001 should be considered invalid because it falls foul of a rule of patent law referred to as sufficiency. Now, sufficiency is all about the documents that are submitted alongside the patent, and the rule basically states that they ought to be detailed enough so that a skilled reader would be able to make the patented invention for themselves. The argument that Regeneron's patent did not meet this requirement received a mixed reception in the Court of Appeal. It was found that the information in the patent was enough for some of the variable region DNA to be inserted into the constant region, but it did not explain how the full human genetic material could be inserted into the mouse's genome. In fact, that was something that was not really perfected until 2011, and so a scientist reading the patent in 2001 would not have been able to create many of the types of mice that Regeneron had since claimed to have invented. You might think that that would be a slam dunk for Chimab, but the Court of Appeal actually ended up upholding the patent. The reason for this is because of another weird quirk of patent law, which meant that Regeneron did not have to be able to create the complete range of mice, because the invention was instead something known as a principle of general application. Chimab argued that the law ought to be applied more strictly, and so they appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. The judgment starts by reviewing the founding principle of patent law, and how a patent represents a bargain that is struck between the inventor and the wider public. For the inventor, they get a monopoly over the making and sales of a product for a limited time. After that time expires, the public is allowed to make its own use of that product. Now, in order for this to work, the inventor is required to publish enough information so that when the monopoly does expire, a person is able to make the invention themselves. 
Of course, me or you aren't going to start pumping out genetically modified mice anytime soon, but someone who is skilled in that area should be able to do so. However, this is not only important in respect of that trade-off, but also contributes towards another balancing act that patent law seeks to get right. After all, if the inventor sets out the know-how, then it ensures that their legal protection only extends as far as their own contribution to the field, no further. The judgment by the Court of Appeal holds that the invention by Regeneron is something called a principle of general application. But that stretches the deal that we just outlined to its very limits. Applying that principle in this context allows the patent to extend to other types of mice that could not even have been created when the patent was filed in 2001. That sounds a little off given everything that we have said up to this point, but the Supreme Court noted that the principle does exist, but is subject to strict limitations. For a start, the patent should not be overly broad. Secondly, if there is a claim made in relation to a range of products, then the principle of sufficiency that we spoke about earlier requires that the inventor provides enough information in respect of the full range of products listed on the patent. Finally, that information has to be relevant to what makes the invention unique. In this case, that means information about the genetic makeup of the mouse. When the justices of the Supreme Court came to applying these conditions to the present case, they found that this was a broad claim by Regeneron, and that the information provided would only enable another scientist to create a genetically modified mouse with a small section of human DNA. As the science developed and more human DNA could be incorporated, that growth of knowledge was not premised on the patents submitted by Regeneron in 2001. To put it another way, the claim that was being made by Regeneron in the patent and in these proceedings was far wider than their own contribution to the field, and so to allow their case would be to upset the very bargain that patent law is based on. It is interesting to note that this was not a unanimous decision, and there was a dissenting opinion from Lady Black who very much agreed with the original decision in the Court of Appeal. She argued that the genetically modified mice were a principle of general application that looked to solve questions around immunological sickness, and so the exact amount of human DNA that was utilised in any given mouse was not relevant. Instead, the sufficiency requirement was met by the incorporation of at least some human DNA in the mice. What we, as observers, can glean from this dissenting judgment is that your own opinion on this case very much depends on how tightly you think the principle of general application should be policed. For Lady Black and the Court of Appeal, they thought this should be loosely done and thus give inventors the benefit of the doubt. The majority of the Supreme Court went the other way and pushed the advantage more in favour of the public. I would say that I personally lean the same way as the Supreme Court, because, as they note, it is only right that an inventor gets the credit for what they actually came up with. At first that might seem somewhat limiting in a field like the natural sciences, but it is important to remember that this does not prevent a range of inventions from becoming patented, only that the inventor has to show their working as proof in each case. Admittedly, there is a risk that the law in this area becomes too deterministic and a patent can be ripped off by changing only one small thing. But I think the law does protect against this, and the alternative is much worse in my opinion. 
If broad patents are allowed to stand, then there is a legitimate concern that this will stifle innovation, as anyone who comes up with anything remotely similar or seeks to build upon ideas that are already out there will run afoul of the original patent. This case is also a lesson in how larger companies would be able to use that broad approach to bully smaller firms. Regeneron are a huge pharmaceutical company and have tied up the much smaller Chimab in litigation for seven years at this point before the final decision was handed down by the Supreme Court. If a wide interpretation of the original 2001 patent had been allowed to stand, then it would have caused real trouble for the work and research that Chimab and other companies are seeking to carry out. It would also give carte blanche to Regeneron to go after other infringements on the outer edge of their own patent. The sanctity of patents is important, and I don't want you to go away thinking that I'm happy with this result simply because it is David beating Goliath. The research around a vaccine for the coronavirus brings things into sharper focus. When we think about scientists around the world working towards this vital goal, we can surely all agree that any unnecessary hurdles should not get in the way. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. I want to give a special shout out this week to Bo Barvey, who left a very kind review on of the podcast on iTunes. Remember, if you do get a chance to review the podcast yourself, that is very much appreciated. We are closing in on 200 reviews at this point, which would be phenomenal and completely amazing. I would never have expected something like that when I started the podcast all those years ago. Um, But I'm glad that it is helping some people with their work and with their research and just keeping people up to date with what's going on in the legal world. Anyway, I'm back with another case next week. But for now, bye. bye.